4: where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host Rob
5: Vicano.
6: X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to give us a call, our toll-free number is 1-877-528-8255, and that is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at 1-877-528-8255. Our email address, xzone at talkstarradio.com, on MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com, and our website's www.xzoneradio.com and xzonetv.com. Today is Monday, November the 9th in the year 2009 and if we were to get back into the Wayback Machine and exit on this date in 1620, this is the date that the Puritans landed at Cape Cod and said, my goodness, Christmas sales have started already. In 1799, Napoleon became the dictator of France on this date in 1956 the Arizona drought was declared and uh, today is your birthday if you are celebrating on November the 9th from everyone here at the Exxon radio show and the Exxon TV show and our friends at Talkstar a very happy birthday to you and yours and you're also selling your uh, celebrating your birthday today with uh let's see Nick Latchy turns 36 today Lou Ferrigno who played the Incredible Hulk on TV turns 56 today and Charles Robinson turns 64 today. Uh, you're, you're saying, uh, who? Who? Well, he played Mac on the old TV series Night Court. This week is National World Kindness Week. And um, November the 9th to 15th, perfect opportunity to clean out that prize closet and give the item to random callers just for calling in. And I think we're going to be doing that later on on tonight's show. But... World Kindness Week. It's about time we had World Kindness Week because we've got so many other weeks that we dedicate to. Um, Let me see. Uh, What was it? National Sandwich Week? We've had National Toilet Paper Week. And there must be some little gremlin somewhere in a radio consultant's office that spews out this garbage. But finally, the gremlins have come up with something that is worthwhile. World Kindness Week. So be kind to somebody this week. That doesn't mean next week you can go back to bashing them. It just means this week, give it a concerted effort. When I come back from this two-minute commercial break, we're going to be talking to Jason Valente. And uh, Jason is a resident of Ferndale, Washington. He was introduced to the Bigfoot Sasquatch phenomenon in 1966, one spring morning at 4 a.m. in a national forest near Tallahassee, Florida. Since that moment, he's been driven to find out more about this elusive species. He moved from Largo, Florida to Bellingham, Washington in 1999. In the 10 years of residency, he has discovered some very interesting areas in the Pacific Northwest that he frequents with several other researchers. His research has led him into the same areas that Lloyd Pye has tapped into, and he is the, uh, he's in the process of writing a book and developing a foundation called Hominid Research Group, for the, fir- for the future studies and further studies of hominids. When I come back from this two-minute commercial break, Jason Valenti is my special guest, and his website, exon Nation, is sasquatchresearch.net. That's www.sasquatchresearch.net. This is the exon a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Then the show is repeated in its entirety from... 2 a.m. until 6 a.m. Let's like say hello to all our listeners in Canada's capital, listening to us on AM 580 CFRA. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break, talking about Bigfoot as the X-Zone begins for tonight, Monday, November the 9th, in the year 2009. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the X-Zone, and you are listening to us right here on Talkstar. Don't go away.
0: Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports!
4: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Oh, that was dark in the mountains. And Indian tales brought them out Where only the Sasquatch go. The moon was playing hide and seek Made the shadows come and go Looking for something they thought they'd find On the Burney Creek Forest Road The stories they didn't
6: Welcome back, everyone. Jason Valenti is our special guest. His website is sasquatchresearch.net. And Jason, welcome back to the Exxon. It's been some time since you've been with us. Tell us about what you've been doing, and tell us more about the foundation that you're planning to get going.
2: Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me back. Um, Actually, that's um, quite frankly up in the air right now Um, because as we speak, I'm like halfway through uh, a week of taking a hiatus and actually focusing on my book, And, um, as a result of getting into writing it, it's, it's really changed my, I think the direction that I'm going to go because, uh, of where my research took me. Mm -hmm. Um, as, as you said, in my introduction, it kind of led me into the areas that, um, Lloyd Pye tapped into. And as I'm writing my book, I'm starting to feel like, um, maybe, you know, it's not the way to go to create. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been trying to push for creating hominoid, research foundation, and uh, but I'm not sure if that's what I really want to do um, long term because what I'm, what I'm really feeling is more important than that because I feel like there's other people out there that could um, probably get the hard evidence because that's the purpose of what the foundation would be about, but I'm finding myself getting more and more into the philosophical areas of what Sasquatch means to the human race and how it could be the missing link in a way that we have never, you know, that most people haven't even heard about.
6: Jason, all these years, thousands of researchers hitting the woods throughout the United States and Canada and other parts of the world looking for the elusive Bigfoot. And still, to this very day, the evidence that has been found is next to none. How is this possible?
2: Well, I, I, I do think that there has been enough circumstantial evidence um Like Jimmy Chilcutt says, who is a forensics expert, the evidence that we do have so far could put anybody into jail and convict them for life. Um, Yes, but we're not not
6: talking about a person here. We're talking about a new species that Bigfoot researchers using the same evidence that could actually put somebody into jail is not significant enough for the scientific community and the rest of the world to acknowledge its its existence.
2: That's true, and like John Green always says, it's nothing's going to change at this point until we get a dead body, and or a live one, or a live one. You know, I mean, that's that's the only way that's going to convince everyone mm-hmm. in the world, and even then, probably some people would still have a hard time because of where the road would lead us if we, if and when we do get a live specimen or a dead one, and that would just open up Pandora's box because we'd have to ask ourselves the question, okay, is this, does this mean evolution's true? Or does it mean that some of the new theories that have been put forward like, by people like Lloyd Pye is intervention a possibility?
6: But isn't that what investigative research is all about, is finding the truth, answering these questions? Absolutely. So how would it, how would it change anything except to enrich our lives?
2: I think it would. I mean, it, it, well, I mean, for me, it enriched my life because I had my own personal sighting. Right. And I mean, I know they're real. And it led me into areas of research that made me question everything about my own reality. So it certainly, for me, in my own personal experience, has enriched my life. And I think that, uh, it, you know, if and when the hard evidence does come in, it would probably enrich many people's lives. But the the one thing that I have a fear of is knowing that the way the, the the psychology of religious people can be very difficult to deal with. I mean, you can have the evidence right in front of their face, and they will stick to their belief system mm-hmm. to the death. <laughs> and so even if we had a Bigfoot body brought in, and it was on CNN headline news, and thousands of people were able to see it, touch it, smell it, feel it, um, they still probably couldn't accept the ramifications that um, that people like Zachariah Sitchin proposed in his work or Lloyd Pye. So, I don't know, it's an interesting, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting um, precipice that we stand on right now for the future of this kind of research. Um, because I think, we're got, I think we'll be surprised by the reaction that we'll get from people. Um, because it's not going to be universal. It'll be very different from culture to culture, from nation to nation.
6: You know, but it, it seems to me at times, Jason, and, and I hope you don't take this wrong, that by not finding the proof or or confirming the existence or non-existence of, of Bigfoot would put, a, put an end to the Bigfoot hypothesis. And there'd be a lot of people in the research field, and I'm not talking about you here, That would suffer greatly if it was established that Bigfoot was not real. However, on the other side of the coin, there would be a number of people within the scientific uh, community who would be ecstatic because I believe that they are also looking for the truth. If If we have satellites that can track soldiers using infrared hundreds of miles above the earth, why can't the same technology be used for tracking Bigfoot? Everyone has, a, has a, a digital camera in their cell phone these days, and yet still no conclusive photos of Bigfoot have ever come across anyone's desk. And when you said that bringing Bigfoot onto the world stage via CNN, I believe that that would be the catalyst that would turn so many people into believers, and they would be dropping their, their, uh, their skeptical views. And as far as theology is concerned and how it would affect world religion, I think the not knowing about extraterrestrials, about Bigfoot, about ghosts, is causing more harm to the religious and philosophical beliefs than knowing the truth would.
2: Yeah, that's that's very well put. <laughs> I, li- I like the way you packaged up that whole concept. Um, yeah, to, to go back to the beginning of your statement, the... Um, if if yeah if we don't find one if we don't get one, um, that's going to cause a lot of problems, and see when we talk about this in the way that we're doing right now, I have to go to conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. There's no other way. There's no other. There's no other way I can go. I have to talk about the idea that um, Sitchin proposed that we're dealing with ancient astronauts, and. In all of my 13 years that I've been looking at this thing and digesting it and regurgitating it, I've come to the conclusion that, and, and this conclusion is based on some eyewitness reports from other Bigfoot researchers who aren't even interested in conspiracy theory. And, uh, and when they asked me what I thought about what they told me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I told them, and that is, Um, there have been several Bigfoot bodies supposedly brought in over the last 10, 15 years and maybe even much further back in time. And what keeps on happening is that the people that were in charge of bringing the bodies to wherever they were supposed to go seem to be intercepted by people in the, you know, black Lexuses, black Lexuses with black suits. And when I, when you look at the broad picture, the whole scope of mm-hmm. what this means, the only thing that I can come up with is that whoever seeded the human race here is probably still here or left enough instructions to the people who are in charge of running the planet. And I mean the families that steer the economic, social, and political systems of our world. And David Icke talks about them. And they have a lot, they stand to lose a lot. If the information gets out about Bigfoot but which but excuse, is why I,
6: but excuse me, so do people like David Ike have a lot to lose money if the truth of the Bigfoot comes out that it's not real you know it's a it's a two sided uh it's a two sided blade because well, well
2: here 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 here's my here's my um comment on that Bigfoot has to be real because we've already had their bones
6: where so are they
2: it, where are the all, bones? the all of the Australopithecines and all of the homos are, for all intents and purposes, those are Bigfoot.
6: How do we know it's that?
2: Just, the, the debate is, are they extinct? And but see, we we keep on getting eyewitness reports all over the world and every continent every year by the hundreds that these things are still being seen.
4: But
6: Jason, with all the with all the cameras out there, how come there has not been one explicit photograph? not one, the best thing, closest thing to anything is the old Patterson-Gimlin film.
2: My answer to that would be is that in my experience going out with a camera, um, and, and actually the digital cameras are even more difficult to uh, use when you're out in the woods. Um, when you the, expo- the time that you can swing yourself around to take a picture of a Bigfoot, mm-hmm. they've already moved. And then you're trying to you know, pull the camera down away from your face and see where it is, and then bring the camera back up so that you can get it into view. And if it's moving at, at the speed that most people claim that it can move, and the guy sitting next to me in the vehicle when we saw it said he'd never move, seen anything move so fast and that it was running at a speed of at least 35 miles an hour. And from other ey- eyewitness reports, they can, they can just move their bodies with incredible speed like most primates can. And if you're trying to take a picture and get this thing into a frame, mm-hmm. it's going to be very, very challenging. But how, about setting,
6: but how about setting up cameras with sensors, auto sensors, in areas where Bigfoots have been seen? And, you know, many people have had eyewitness accounts there. Set the cameras up, put motion detectors and sensors in the area. Something crosses a sensor, bang, takes a picture.
2: I agree with that, and, and the only person I think who has the best technology to do this is William Dragness from Virginia Bigfoot Research. Mm-hmm. Um, I met with him a year ago and saw his setup, and he, he figured out, and I had been telling people this for years because of my background in electronics, that when you put these cam trackers out on trees and they're exposed and they have a very thin you know, shell around them, Animals can hear the capacitors that are screaming at a very high, high frequency and they avoid the camera. And if they have infrared sensors, uh, the Yowie hunters in Australia figured out that you can't use infrared because they can see into that part of the spectrum and they avoid stuff like that.
6: Jason, so stand be- by. We've got to take our commercial break with the news at the bottom of the hour. Interesting conversation with an interesting young man, Jason Valentis, our special guest, www.sasquatchresearch.com. Net. When we come back, Jason will tell us his story, his sighting, and why he's a believer, right here on the Talk Star Radio Network coming to you live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.
1: Chant, an old black witch, and a man that was marked with scars.
3: The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees.
2: Hi, this is Ken Elliott. When I'm floating around the universe, I always try to tune in to Rob McConnell.
6: Hi, ho there, Trinity frog on Sesame Street. When I want to find out what's going on with UFOs or ghosts, I listen to The X-Zone with Rob McConnell.
1: This is Les Corrigan from Target Internet Development. You're listening to Rob McConnell on The X-Zone Radio Show. This is John
6: Hogue, Prophecy Scholar,
1: and you're listening to Rob McConnell in
4: The X-Zone. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell.
1: And I wrote the songs about a creature that few's ever seen. Monsters, myths and mysteries, legend, tales and facts. It brought us all together, and it's a reason for a fact. Up in North California, where the redwoods reach the skies, three men with a gold and a pack that they hold and a promise till the day that they die to the questions. No one's found before. driving the only key they to unlock the door.
6: Welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. Jason Valenti is my very special guest this hour. His website is www.sasquatchresearch.net. That's www.sasquatchresearch.net. Jason, uh, uh, Jason, it's great having you here with us on the X-Zone tonight. I was wondering if you could share with our audience, many who have who are just learning about you for the fir- very first time, because since you were on with us last time, we've, we've had a massive number of affiliates joining us. And I was wondering if you could take us back into time and tell us about your sighting, the sighting that changed your life and now makes you believe that Sasquatch is indeed real.
2: Yeah, it's amazing how seven to ten seconds can totally change your life.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I uh, yeah, what what was happening is that a a, a business partner that I was uh, just had recently connected with through a multi-level marketing company suggested that we drove from where the area that we lived uh, right across from Tampa, Pinellas County, um, Largo area. Uh, we had to drive all the way around the coast, the Gulf Coast of Florida, to get to Pensacola, which was like an eight-hour drive. And we did our business there and left at midnight, uh, wanting to get back home and drive through the night. And so when I got to Tallahassee, which was like the halfway point, um, we were debating on whether or not to continue. on I 10 to drop down on 75 to just travel the highway, which would be longer mileage. But we stopped and asked uh, somebody for directions and how to get to US 19 from Tallahassee. And I messed up the directions and wound up taking the wrong road to have this experience so I'm grateful that I screwed that up but about 15 minutes into the drive uh, just heading out of Tallahassee um, I had just reached down to turn off the radio because it was um, it was like we were listening to and radio and it just started you know you know, like when you're listening to the radio and it just gets to a point okay okay I can't take exactly. anymore. I gotta it off. yeah I just reached down and turned that off and then when I looked up down the road a couple hundred yards I noticed that there was uh, there was an animal that was in the first impression that it came into my mind was that it was an Irish setter taste in his tail, some big dog. And then as, so I took my foot off the gas and I started to cover my brake You know, took it out of fifth gear in the neutral. I was driving a Toyota truck, you know, not jacked up or anything, just normal size truck. I had a topper on the back. And when I looked down at my dashboard, I noticed that my brights were not on. <clears throat> So, I mean, just, you know, just kind of like sensing that, okay, this thing mm-hmm. might move onto the road. So I got to evaluate, you know, every, my instrument panel and everything around me to make sure that I can swerve if I need to. So as soon as I flashed my brights on, the motion of all the hair froze for a moment, for a moment and then eyes appeared out of the fur and or hair. I don't think it was really fur. I think it was in retrospect, it was more of a, a, a straggly hair covered being. And, glowing orange eyes appeared and then and then all in one motion it stood up and started walking backwards with its hands in front of its eyes so at this point we we're probably at about 100 yards you know about 50 miles an hour decelerating pretty quickly and of course as soon as the thing stood up and put its hands down in front of its face then I started to break hard and I just started taking in all this detail because I was just so amazed at seeing something that looked like uh an ape standing up on two legs but had much more of a human-looking form than any monkey or gorilla or, you know, orangutan or primate that I'd ever seen. And it was, it was very tall. And I knew it was taller than me um, because I'm 6'4 and I, can, I, could, I could tell that it was closer to 7' and I would have I guessed between 6'8 and 7'2 to give an approximation. And the hands were so disturbing when I saw it because they look like a big—it just looked like a big giant basketball player, player's hands that were, you know, outstretched, you know, palms flat, mm-hmm. and uh, hands spread wide open, you know, to block my headlights. And uh, what what I noticed is that each fingertip and thumb was covered with like a purple color. And as we got closer, I noticed when I got shots of its face through its hands that that same coloring was on its nose. And my theory on that is it probably was eating berries or something out in the woods. And I can't, I I couldn't tell you if it had like very long arms like Sasquatch is purported to have. And, um, but the shoulders were huge. The, the, the hips were almost as wide as the shoulders and it had an hourglass figure. And I didn't know at the time that I was looking at a male or female. And when I came up to the conference in British Columbia in 1999, Stephen Harvey's conference, when I was describing this, that the hair on the chest was swaying back and forth, all the other researchers almost in concert said, oh, you saw breasts. And I was like, well, I I didn't see breasts. I didn't see like the outline of a breast and a nipple. I just thought it was strange that there was so much hair on the chest that was swinging back and forth out of synchronization with its gait as it was walking backwards. So... I'm pretty sure that my conclusion is it probably was a female because it did have a very um, uh, hourglass figure. I mean, there was no question that it was built like a female something because of the anatomy. And, and I do remember that it was extremely muscular but not like muscle-bound. I remember seeing definition in her right arm as we were passing her. I remember seeing the teardrop of the, of the deltoid tie into the tricep and bicep. And, and as she was rotating her arm, to you know, to block my headlights, I just remember seeing striations of muscle, like mm-hmm. around her elbow, you know, like the brachios on the forearm. I remember seeing all that, and I remember being convinced, okay, a suit can't give you that effect. You can't see muscles like that. And the way the head was is that it kind of protruded out of the shoulders. It didn't really seem like there was a neck to me. And what was also odd is that the head was – very, um, and it may have just been the angle that I was at when I was looking that her head looked small, like too small for the body mass. And it could have been that she was trying to reach her head up, you know, bracing herself for impact is my guess is probably why it looked that way. And I always told people that, you know, my first impression of the face is that it looked like a cross between a chimpanzee and a pit bull. I mean, it just it didn't quite look right to me. It just looked so odd to see this thing, because I'd never seen one before, so I think that's what my mind was trying to project <laughs> on to give me some you know context of what I was looking at. And I do remember that when her mouth was open because I think she was drawing in a breath you know to to brace herself you know for being hit that I, I do remember seeing the canines you know of like if you've ever seen like YouTube videos of monkeys when they open up their mouth real wide like they're yawning or something, yeah. it looked almost exactly like that. I remember seeing uh saliva glistening. On her, on her lips and her tongue. I How remember close were that you? It. Well, we were so close that if the window would have been rolled down, Dennis could have reached out and grabbed her by her right arm. Wow. So, yeah, it was a close encounter for sure. Never smelled anything. I lost view of her when I got right to uh, – I, I watched her as we were – I was breaking hard. We came to a complete stop, mm-hmm. about 20 feet past her. So I had my eyes on her the whole time um, until – until I left, until she was out of view at the passenger side window. Now, after I passed her, um, I was in the process of pulling the emergency brake, taking my seatbelt off, and getting out of the vehicle. Dennis, on the other hand, just as we were passing her, his eyes... I'm mm-hmm. sorry? No, sorry. I. Dennis never left... His eyes never left her. He put his hands on the window glass and twisted his body so that he could keep seeing her. And he said that what he saw was that she kind of just dropped her hands as we passed by and kind of like shook it off, you know, kind of regained her composure. Mm-hmm. And all in one motion did the standing broad jump and twisted 90 degrees to the left at the same time, leaving the ground, you know, pivoting off of her left foot, like the ball of her left foot, and just covered an enormous amount of distance just in that feat in itself. And when he was telling me this, I was just, I was like, oh, my God, that's incredible. He goes, that's not, that's not the incredible part. I was like, well, "What could be more incredible than that?" He said he she landed into a stride running, and it took me a second to realize and appreciate what he was communicating. And I was like, "Oh wow, that's that because the average human would have a really difficult time, you know, jumping 30 feet from a standing broad jump and start running as you're landing, you know, because we'd have to use both of our legs to absorb the impact that's of, right. of our landing." And he said that it, it was like literally as she was touching the ground, she was moving as fast as she was 50 feet into her stride. And he and so Dennis had just gotten out of the Gulf War recently, and he I think he was in reconnaissance or special forces. And so he immediately went into survival mode. I mean, he he just in, in a split second evaluated this whole thing and knew that we shouldn't mess with this thing. I, on the other hand, just um, – <laughs> in my, uh, my innocent excitement, I was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go chase this thing. I want to, I want to go see a better look. I did. I just see what I just saw. And I was opening the door and my left foot had hit the road and I was on my way out the door. And I felt, you know, he just, he swung around uh, from looking at this thing and grabbed me and jerked me back in the car. And I, we were looking at each other and I said, dude, come on, let's go see this thing. And he's like, and his response was no man just drive. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, really, come on. Just, and he goes, no, just drive. And that was like the last word between us for the next four hours. Tell me, have, I just re-
6: tell me, in, in comparison to the Patterson-Gimlin film, did your sighting of Bigfoot match that in the film of uh, Patterson and Gimlin?
2: The only comparison would probably be the width of the shoulders, the width of the hips, mm-hmm. and the height. Um, she had much lighter hair, in my opinion. Um, Dennis always thought that she had light brown hair. I, I thought she was blonde. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see, her head seemed smaller. I mean, and just she was just very thin. I mean, she was a very thin creature. And uh, um, the Patterson film, I mean, my analogy always is, is that, you know, the one I saw as a basketball player and the one that uh, Patterson got on film is a lineman for you know professional football team.
6: But you know, something something that, that I heard in your in your story that makes more sense to me than the Patterson film is that in your story your Sasquatch took off at high speed. Wanted to get yeah. out of there as fast as possible. Just didn't mm-hmm. saunter across looking at the camera and saying, Yeah, you see me, away we go.
2: Yeah, the the thing that um I always thought about that too until I heard Chris Murphy explain that. And what he pointed out is is that patty was looking at horses i don't think that the creature understood what was sitting on top of the horses i think in her brain it was it was like another forest animal and now mind you horses probably weren't a common thing running around although there are wild mustangs mm-hmm. all over the pacific northwest more on the on the uh, eastern side of oregon uh, Washington and California, like going into Utah and Montana, those real vast areas. But I, I think that Patty felt cautious and kept looking back and and couldn't understand how horses had little things on them that came off.
6: You know, that, that's, a nice, think, yeah. that's a nice story. You know, that, yeah. that certainly fills in a lot of holes in the entire Patterson-Gimlin uh, uh, scenario, which I don't give any credibility to that film whatsoever. I think it was a hoax, Patterson's, uh, you know, Patterson's background certainly does put him into a hoaxer category, a showman, a, a charlatan even. But, you know, well, I, I don't buy the GIMM. I don't buy the Patterson film. I never have. I never will. I know a lot of so-called experts have looked at it and said, yes, it's real. Well, how can they depict something being real if they don't know what the hell it is?
5: Well,
2: I mean, that's a good point. I mean, the only thing we can do is compare it to known animals. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, Patterson's background is pretty shady and dark. And it, it's funny because there's, there have been several Bigfoot uh, researchers or enthusiasts that have made some really bad mistakes. I, I do believe that there have been famous ones throughout the last four or five decades that, and I believe this is the psychology of what happens to people like this, is that you have, you have an experience, mm-hmm. you become so obsessed with it that you want to have it happen again and you spend all of your money and I I know several researchers I've actually sat across the table over a cup of coffee and have talked to some of these older guys that are in their 60s and 70s and they admitted that they blew all their money they got a divorce their relationships fell apart all they could think about was Bigfoot seeing it again and trying to prove to everybody that this thing had happened and they wind up totally destroying their own credibility and I believe that this happens repeatedly with a lot of researchers Although I, I do believe that the Internet is, is probably going to help dampen that quite a bit because it just seems like you can't pull that kind of crap anymore. Well, wait a and sec, wait a or- sec, wait
6: a sec, hold on. Tom Biscardi did last year.
2: Well, that's true, but I mean, that was quickly figured out to be a hoax.
6: But still, I that think, that, I, that citing action, what Tom Biscardi did, put such a black eye on the Bigfoot community. I don't think the did. Bigfoot yeah. community will ever... Uh, you know, recover from it. Stand recover by, from it. Yeah, you're, Jason. You're you and I have to right take a commercial that. break. We'll be back in four minutes as the exome continues right here on Talkstar.
0: Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment.
5: The sun was so bright The moon had no light But I could see This big old Sasquatch Said he was top notch At playing hopscotch Way up in a tree So I bet my wristwatch That big old Sasquatch Could never play hopscotch Way up in a tree Now there's a Sasquatch Up in a tree crotch He's got my wristwatch And he's laughing at me I told the Mounties Throughout the counties To put some bounties All over BC And stop that Sasquatch From playing hopscotch Till he gives my wristwatch Right back to me
6: Jason Blendy is my special guest this hour. We're talking about that elusive, legendary creature from the middle of the forests, right across Canada and the United States, the one and only Sasquatch. His website is www.sasquatchresearch.net. That's www.sasquatchresearch.net. Before we went to the break, we were talking about Tom Biscardi and the black eye that he's given the Bigfoot community. Uh, Unfortunately, a number of the media that I've talked to for everywhere from MSNBC to CBC here in Canada, CTV, and uh, even CNN said that that was such a farce that they would not cover another Sasquatch unveiling if it was given to them on a silver platter. Wow. You know, and and Tom Biscardi, what, you know, his background is a lot like like Patterson's. You know, he's very dubious. He's a showman. He's a, a person who's going after self-gratification, and he doesn't care who he takes down getting it. Why he perpetrated this? Well, I think it was, uh, you know, his money had run out, and he was trying to make one more stab at, at becoming rich and famous at everybody else's extent. But once again, there are so many people out there. Lloyd Pye, uh, Robert W. Morgan, um, let me see. Who else do we have out there? Uh, to, 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 to Sean Forker and many others who go out there and they try their very best to bring incredible evidence. Jason, I'm sure there are people listening to you and I tonight who have had sightings and they're afraid to come forward because of the laugh factor that they will suffer. We've got about 50 seconds. What would you like to say to these people who've had encounters and what should they do with their experience?
2: Well, I mean, per- personally, I think that it's important to just talk about it and get the information out there and you know, not worry about the ridicule because there's there's been so many people that have come forward mm-hmm. anyway, and I've seen a real transformation in the last 10 years that it, it's more accepted now that people are seeing these things. But the one obstacle that we do have to overcome is that the media mm-hmm. still is making fun of it because of incidences like what happened with the Georgia Bigfoot so we just have to keep pushing on it's it's an uphill battle and we need to accept that it is and we are going to see some light at the end of the tunnel eventually
6: Jason as always uh, super talking to you thank you very much for sharing your time with us and uh, tell the people how they can contact you if they have information that they believe because of your credibility you could help them get out
2: okay Um, Yeah, if you just visit my website, like Rob had plugged me for at sasquatchresearch.net, and there's a contact us button. Um, I think my phone number's on there and my email. My email is jason at sasquatchresearch.net. So I love to uh, have contact with anybody who's interested in, in sharing their story or theories or anything that they think I should know. So feel free to contact me.
6: Jason, again, thank you very much for joining us, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X Zone. Keep the great work up. Jason Valenti, www.sasquatchresearch.net. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break at six and a half minutes past as the X Zone continues. We're right here live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Thanks a million Jason. You were great.
2: Oh, you bet. Thank you.
6: All right. We'll be in touch, buddy. Thank you.
2: Okay. Have a good one.
6: You too.
3: <coughs> Hi, Rob. I'm How are you? Hey, I'm um, looking forward to um, talking with you about Dr. Saputo. I'm at 415-459-2573. And I look forward to saying hi in person. Thanks. Bye.
5: (coughs) One day at midnight, the sun was so bright. The moon had no light, but I could see This big old Sasquatch said he was top-notch At playing hopscotch way up in a tree So I bet my wristwatch that big old Sasquatch Could never play hopscotch way up in a tree Now there's a Sasquatch up in a tree crotch He's got my wristwatch and he's laughing at me. I told the Mounties throughout the counties to put some bounties all over B.C. And stop that Sasquatch from playing hopscotch till he gives my wristwatch right back to me.
6: Jason Belendi is my special guest this hour. We're talking about that elusive, legendary creature from the middle of the forests right across Canada and the United States. The one and only Sasquatch. His website is www.sasquatchresearch.net. That's www.sasquatchresearch.net. Before we went to the break, we were talking about Tom Biscardi and the black eye that he's given the Bigfoot community. Uh, Unfortunately, a number of the media that I've talked to everywhere from MSNBC to CBC here in Canada, CTV, and uh, even CNN said that that was such a farce that they would not cover another Sasquatch unveiling if it was given to them on a silver platter. Wow. You know, and and Tom Biscardi, you know, his background is a lot like, like Patterson's. You know, he's very dubious. He's a showman. He's a, a person who's going after self-gratification, and he doesn't care who he takes down getting it. Why he perpetrated this? Well, I think it was, uh, you know, his money had run out, and he was trying to make one more stab at, at becoming rich and famous at everybody else's extent. But once again, there are so many people out there. Lloyd Pye, uh, Robert W. Morgan, um, let me see. Who else do we have out there? Uh, to, 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 Sean Forker and many others who go out there and they try their very best to bring incredible evidence. Jason, I'm sure there are people listening to you and I tonight who have had sightings and they're afraid to come forward because of the laugh factor that they will suffer. We've got about 50 seconds. What would you like to say to these people who've had encounters and what should they do with their experience?
2: Well, I mean, per- personally, I think that it's important to just talk about it and get the information out there and, you know, not worry about the ridicule because there's, there's been so many people that have come forward mm-hmm. anyway, and I've seen a real transformation in the last 10 years that it, it's more accepted now that people are seeing these things. But the one obstacle that we do have to overcome is that the media mm-hmm. still is making fun of it because of incidences like what happened with the Georgia Bigfoot. So we just have to keep Excuse pushing me. on. It, it's, it's an uphill battle, and we need to accept that it is, and we are going to see some light at the end of the tunnel eventually.
6: Jason, as always, uh, super talking to you. Thank you very much for sharing your time with us. And uh, tell the people how they can contact you if they have information that they believe, because of your credibility, you could help them get out.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, if you just visit my website, like Rob had plugged me for at sasquatchresearch.net, and there's a contact us button. Um, I think my phone number's on there and my email. My email is jason at sasquatchresearch.net. So I love to uh, have contact with anybody who's interested in, in sharing their story or theories or anything that they think I should know. So feel free to contact
6: me. Jason, again, thank you very much for joining us, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X Zone. Keep the great work up. Jason Valenti, www.sasquatchresearch.net. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break at six and a half minutes past as the X Zone continues. We're right here live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Thanks a million, Jason. You were great. Oh,
2: you bet. Thank you.
6: All right. We'll be in touch, buddy. Thank you.
2: Okay. Have a good one.
6: You too.
3: <coughs> Hi, Rob. Eileen Dunay. How are you? Hey, I'm looking forward to um, talking with you about Dr. Saputo. I'm at 415-459-2573. And I
0: look forward to saying hi in person. Thanks. Bye. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment.